if, if, if you need to like not put this out, I'm good with that too. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. I, I take any opportunity to try to embarrass you, though. Unfortunately, this is, you were too good. Unfortunately, I can't really embarrass you. I just speak one. so freely. It. We never know what I actually said until we see the video. <laughs> oh, and I told mom I'd send this to her afterwards too. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully she's not gonna get upset with us for anything. <laughs> we'll find out. Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space, Podstream Studios Times Square. These conversations have been recorded with a live audience on the Fireside app, and we've brought you the best moments from our conversations, discussing the various struggles that founders have had to face. Now, if you'd like to be part of our live conversations where we allow the audience to participate, please sign up to Fireside and follow me to stay up to date about upcoming recordings. You can visit our show notes for a direct link. Now, bear with us as we work out some of the kinks with sound effects and audio quality as we're still getting used to the Fireside app. But for this first episode, I thought it was only right that I start with an entrepreneur that I know extremely well, my sister, Kia Yelchin, founder of the Yelchin Group, Fishnet Restaurant in Baltimore, Maryland, and, as you hear in this conversation, just an overall serial entrepreneur. I hope you enjoy our conversation about the struggles working with family, defining success, creating work-life balance, and so much more. I want to start things off here in Black History Month, myself being a Black founder, uh, and Kia also being a Black founder, and specifically Kia is my sister and somebody who I thought would be a great way to start off this new iteration of Entrepreneur Struggle um, because she's run many different businesses. And we've had a lot of conversations around creating and scaling a business. And also we have this dynamic that we are the second generation of entrepreneurs in our family. Um, and so we've you know, seen from outside looking in and we've seen from inside looking outward, you know, what it's like running a business, especially with family members. So we're gonna touch on a bit of all that today, but first, um, let me introduce Kia Yalchin, the uh, founder of uh, Fishnet and uh, and what's the Yalchin Group and probably five other companies that names I'm forgetting. So Kia, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us uh, about you, your companies and um, what you're working on these days. Hi, everyone. So as my darling brother said, my name is Kia Yalchin. Um, and I'm the owner of Fishnet Restaurant. We're located in Baltimore, Maryland, um, right downtown. So you can look us up. You can go get a fish sandwich if you're in town, like right now. Um, they're open there, there. So um, Fishnet's been around in, in, for 10 years. Uh, the Baltimore location is the only location right now but there have been many iterations of Fishnet over the years in different locations. And so I'll get into all of that fun stuff later, but it's 10 years old. Um, and that's the thing I'm working on right now. Um, I my, my passion is restaurants and real estate. And so I've always believed in, um, you know, owning real estate, uh, specifically multifamily just kind of helps keep things afloat and, you know, has leveraged has been really good leverage so that I could, you know, follow my dreams, um, which weren't always profitable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will definitely talk about that. Cause yeah, we, we both had struggles in that department uh, yeah, at times. So 
it's, you know, real estate has allowed me to follow my unprofitable dreams. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I always, you know, think that you should be diversified, not too diversified where you can't get stuff done, but be diversified enough where, you know, if one thing tanks, you're not like living in a tiny house. Did that too. <laughs> so she, she legit lived in a tiny house. Like her kids were living in a closet, basically. Yeah. No, they, it was a closet. We lived in a tiny house um, because, you know, sometimes dreams cost a lot more when they go bad, <laughs> when they turn into nightmares. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of the kids, so just for the audience there, just a little inside information into our family. We have this, this WhatsApp chat that we have amongst myself, Kia here, our mother, um, and our, our little brother, Nate. And, um, you know, one of the days, you know, maybe Nate will start his own business and we'll maybe get him on here. But uh, maybe we'll also have mom come on here at some point. But we have this ongoing uh, WhatsApp uh, group, which, to be honest, really is just Kia and our mother going back and forth. Our mother talking about, you know, how she's traveling around the world, you know, after having sold her company. Uh, and then Kia, you know, doting over her amazing uh, two, two daughters, my nieces. Um, and yesterday you posted something in there that we haven't got a chance to talk about, which was yesterday was the beginning of Black History Month and you were at the restaurant uh, over at there at uh, Fishnet and you were having people come up to you and pay homage. So I actually need to, I need to get the tea. I need to understand what happened yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it was the first, you know, you have these moments in life where you realize that time has passed, right? And so I think, you know, when you spend so much time doing you don't realize the time. You don't feel the time. You look up, oh, it's been five years. Oh, it's been 10 years. So Fishnet's been around for 10 years. And, you know, suddenly I look around me and I'm the OG, right? For a few reasons. Because restaurants don't last that long, most of them. Um, two, we've had a crazy situation with the pandemic and supply chain and labor shortages. And so these like three things are have been like kryptonite to uh, restaurant businesses and people are just shuddering. They're tired of fighting. Um, you know, if it wasn't the supply chain, then it was, you know, the fact that people stayed home in January because of um, Omicron, like it just, it's something. So there's just businesses shuttering all over the around us um, and especially small businesses. This has been hard on small business. And so I look up 10 years, I'm on the scene and, you know, my fellow restaurant owners are coming in to see me, you know, getting something to eat, saying, hey, longtime customers, hey, it's the, the first, you know, day of Black History Month. I just wanted to make sure I got down here. And so, you know, by about seven o'clock last night, you know, when I'm still at the restaurant and we're unexplainably busy, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm, I think I'm a part of black history. Like I am becoming black history. <laughs> like there's no other explanation for this, you know? And so I think in many ways it's an honor, you know, I think it was just a little bit of a shock at first, like, Oh, you know, uh, I'm one of the, the last ones standing from, you know, 10 years ago. And so I guess that is something to be, you know, looked up to, um, even though, on the day-to-day, -day, it feels just like a grind. Um, yeah, I don't think of it that way. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, when you can uh, 
you know, really celebrate your, your wins in that way, especially amongst your peers, like to have them coming out, like that's incredible. Because yeah, when you were, when you had sent it in the message, I just thought it was just regular patrons coming up because you've been featured in the news, in newspapers. Yeah. Um, and so like, you've been doing big things down there, but to have your peers be the ones that are celebrating you, like that's gotta feel amazing. Cause you've also given back to them. And we'll, we'll get into to that too. Like you've really given back to the community and your fellow entrepreneurs involved i mean and and that was that was the thing that really you know touched me it was it was my fellow business owners right um who are on the scene now have current restaurants in baltimore you know are very relevant um and to to have them take time away from their business to to make sure they supported me and said hey and you know, show love the first day of Black History Month. I just thought was was something amazing. Yeah, so let's let's back up because I keep teasing out things that we will talk to talk about. So let's kind of you know. Oh, I just up. already started talking about. It. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just talking. <laughs> and at any point, just knowing you, feel free to take over this this interview so, as, I as long as you have. can. Yeah, <laughs> power is an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, especially yeah, especially my power in the family. It's definitely an illusion. I have none, absolutely none. Uh, you is smart. You, is smart. <laughs> you see that? You see? You see what I get? <laughs> well, Kia and I, you know, uh, even before I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, though, I feel like Kia always knew she wanted to run businesses. But like before we got to an adult age where we could actually do that uh, in a legal way, um, we were, you know, kind of entrepreneurs as kids. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if I had the story exactly right. Cause it was just years ago, but I think around when we were like 10 to 12, somewhere in that range, we started actually running our own business without really thinking about it. We started, you know, I think one Christmas I got a creepy crawler machine and we started selling creepy crawlers in school. And we then used that money to buy a button making machine. So like literally the, the pin buttons that you put on, we had saved up to buy that. And the only way that our mother would allow us to buy that was we had to put together like a business plan of how that, you know, you know, the resources that are going into it. What's the profit going to be? How much are we selling? And then what are we using that profit for? Which this is where our plan went awry was buying that, you know, 60th anniversary Monopoly game. And, and we yes. thought that that was going to, you know, make us rich when we were older by having this yes. 60th anniversary Monopoly game that we opened and played with way too many times. Yeah. I mean, that is amazing logic for a child. <laughs> we were investing in our future through Monopoly. I, I, I still stand by that decision. I stand by it too. And you know, somewhere in some closet, that game exists. Um, I, we just have to find that closet. Oh, and even talking to mom, like when she reminisces on, uh, once we got to like high school and college, she a lot of times will bring up how no, you were literally printing out your own business cards in college. Like you started running your own business while we were still in school. I, at that time, was just like, hey, I'm going to work for people the rest of my life. I, though I had this entrepreneurial spirit that we got to see growing up, I just felt like for me, my mission was to create, you know, I was already working in radio or, or you know, was getting close to having my first gig in radio. So I just think, you know what, I'm just going to run its course, you know, bounce around to a bunch of stations and, and do that. But you were really intentional about what you wanted to do. I think you started doing what, paralegal work or something like that. So yeah, can oh you kind of tell us about how you started your journey? So there were creepy crawlers and then there was the button machine. And then there was like, you know, the pinnacle of our joint venture was the Monopoly game, right? Like that was, it, it peaked out. And, uh, you know, I think, <laughs> I think Chris was like, oh, okay, well, good. Well, I'm just going to go out and play with my friends. <laughs> 
And I was like, no, like we're doing this. And so, um, you know, and, that, and that's my attitude today. And, and I see it in my daughter. My daughter is seven and she's like, no, we're doing, it. you know, like that's how she approaches the world. One of them, the other one's like, yep, you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you are doing this. Let me know when you're done. Like that's the other one. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I, yes, there was, there were business cards. I was printing business cards, like in my dorm room in college at one time, um, I went to business school and we needed business cards. And this was like before Vistaprint or it might've been like right as Vistaprint was happening. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was around the same time. Yeah, so there were business cards and then I got into um, network marketing, which was great for personal development. Like I was exposed to a lot of different books and self-help and all this stuff. So that was really, interesting experience. It was nauseating for everyone around me because I was always trying to sell them something. But, <laughs> but it was like a great experience um, as far as like personal growth and just kind of understanding the dynamics of business. And then um, I got into real estate when I was about 20, 22 or 23. And so that was an experience. My first building was in um, DC. And I remember being out with my little push mower one day, and they're literally like drug dealers in the buildings next to me. And I'm like, hey, you know, with my push mower. And they're you like, love operating in, the, in those shady areas. I, you know, it's something about the, the like hood that just vibes with me. <laughs> I'm like, you know, rats, roaches. Yes, you know, like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you jumped into real estate, but you jumped like right into owning buildings, not even just trying to to do a house. Like you just jumped right into like you did you feel like you bit off too much early on? Yeah, I mean, I was like super aggressive, you know, like I was um I, I some people's internal clocks um like just are a little off. So I think my internal clock <laughs> was a little... Was well, you know, you're late to fast, everything, right? but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I started early. I was, you know, in it. And I think um, I probably had bigger business investments and more when I was probably like 28 or 29 than I do now. You know, like um, I really have downsized over the years one because businesses weren't sustainable and two just because there are other priorities other than you know being aggressive in business and winning this accolade and you know the next thing the next thing the next thing um and i think that was my mentality for many years you know it was like okay we did this next 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 and it was next for the sake of next right and one day I was having this um, wonderful conversation um, with a real estate developer from California. And he was about in his fifties and uh, we're at this really nice restaurant having this conversation. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna do this and this and this and this. And he told me something that I will just never forget. He's like, there's no there there. I go, what do you mean? He's like, you're trying to get there, but I'm just telling you there's no there there. So I'm going someplace that I'm literally never going to get to, you know, yeah, that's you haven't that's, set the destination, right? That's the cycle of 
of just, you know, success for the, the sake of success or goals for the sake of goals, right? Um, you're trying to get to some place, but it doesn't really exist. And so I think, you know, one of the, the things that I found now that I'm older, um, as an older entrepreneur is, you know, I'm not in business for the sake of the business. I'm in business for the sake of the time it affords me to spend with my kids, the quality of life, the products that I'm pushing out to the community, the opportunities that it's giving to young people or the next generation. Like that's it. It's it's not about success for the sake of success because thank you. <laughs> so that that's where I am now. But it took me a lot of years to get there. Yeah, and that I, I completely agree with the hand claps there. Like that is a well-deserved hand clap because that's that, to be honest, that's kind of the stage that I'm in now of trying to figure out you know that balance and and I even though I've said it all the time to my team members that you should be working for your life. You should be working to improve your life or to be able to enjoy the things in life. Life shouldn't be about work. But right. unfortunately, I very many times find myself in making my life all about work. So right. what, what, you know, obviously there was that moment that kind of made you take stock of it, but were there steps, and I'm, I, like you said, it's kind of, it's taken some time, but were there steps that you took intentionally to try to get to that point of, being able to back away from work a little bit more and enjoy the fruits of your labor? Yeah, I mean, I, I so I was about 29. Um, I was pregnant. We had two restaurants, um, big budgets, lots of staff, right? Lots of overhead, um, real estate, we're flipping houses here. We got a multifamily there. Like it was, it was, you know, it was all good, right? On paper, checking boxes, right? married, kids, business, like I'm just checking boxes. <laughs> and I'm very much so a box checker. Like that's my nature, you know? So, um, you know, I'm like, okay, 30 under 30, 40 under 40, you know? <laughs> it's success. funny it's now, so Success but... for the sake of success. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny now, but it was my life, right? That was my life. And, um, you know, there was a moment along the way <clears throat> where I felt, you know, I'm like looking at my financials, right? Because I got all this stuff that from the outside looks amazing. Like people are walking in the restaurants, they look busy, but I had a hole in my bucket. I was losing money left and right. And the only one who knew that was me, right? Because I didn't even... Really, in my accountant at the end of the year, but you know, I was the one who who knew it on a daily basis that there was a hole in my bucket. But I had invested so much in my own personal image of success that was how I defined myself. And so, um, what was at stake if I were to tell the truth to myself about the life that I had created for myself was that it wasn't happy and I would have to, I wasn't happy and I would have to create a new life for myself. So that was what was at, at stake. And that's a lot, right? Once you build this image for yourself, um, this life, uh, you built your life based on this premise that I, you know, am success. Everything that I do is successful. 
However, it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me money. It doesn't give me any time. You know, like there's so many things that if you're honest, it doesn't do for you. Then that means you have two options. You can stay on that track or you can create a new life for yourself. And so that was like a really scary time for me because uh, that meant that, you know, I would have to right size some of the business endeavors. Some of the restaurants were going to need to close because they weren't profitable. Um, some of the investments needed to get sold. And it, it literally took me four years to reprioritize um, my life so that I could get the things that I said that I wanted, which were, you know, better, more happiness and peace and contentment and more time for myself and more money. Um, and so it, it took some time and a lot of effort and a lot of years to kind of get it worked out. But and yeah. you also had to kind of reestablish priorities, too. Oh, yeah. Um, you definitely have to reestablish priorities. You know, if you're a person like me and the priority is just success, right? Like to what end? <laughs> to what end? In running those, you also were running them as a family for a while there. You, you know, were working with your husband. Um, and we grew up in a house where our mother also, you know, had, had you know, uh, kind of created a family situation where different family members would work in the business. And we saw as children growing up that that didn't always work out. But then, you know, you started your company and, you know, had family involved in that. And honestly, I've done something similar with having family involved in, in the companies that I have as well. Can you speak to just some of the, I guess, some of the challenges, but also if there are positives that come out of it? But yeah, what are some of those challenges working with family? Because I know that you and I have these discussions a lot. And I, that was one of the things I really want to pare down on in this conversation was just, yeah, what are those things that can trip you up when working with family? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so, you know, Chris and I have this really wonderful perspective of, um, like it's a foundational perspective, something that we won't just forget, right? Was this experience of growing up with a mom that was an entrepreneur and having family work in those businesses, uh, us ourselves working in those businesses and interning and things like that. Um, I think um, as a way of coaching and mentoring and exposing family to different ideas that, you know, family working with you is okay, right? And I'm talking kind of in, in like short spurts, a very defined scope of work, um, probably not directly managed. Um, you know, I wouldn't directly manage a family member. Um, and so just, you know, with really, really clear parameters and short scopes of work. That's the only way that I can see that it can be successful. But any other way, there's always a day of reckoning, right? And it doesn't happen at first. Um, it may even take years for it to happen. But, you know, there is just something about business and money that can really ruin a relationship or at least cause a lot of tension and friction. Um, and so my husband and I worked together. There were times when we were just business partners, right? We were married, but we were just business partners. Like we, there was no relationship. We were just business partners. And so um, we've been married for 16 years. And those of you who've been married, you know that marriage can go through these different phases. 
Um, you can go, you have good years, you have bad years. I mean, it's not like weeks or days, it's like years, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, there were years like that. Um, we all, my, my husband and I always joke that we front loaded our bad times. And so, you know, like right now we're in a great place, but we had a lot of years where it was just tough because we were running a business together and we didn't have the same ideas. Um, and there was, you know, a lot of money involved, a lot at stake. And so it just created all this friction and tension. And so at this point in my life, I am just a proponent of not working with family at all. <laughs> it's like, if you need some money, just tell me that I'll give that to you. But it's like, you know, other than that, like, I love Thanksgiving and peace. So, you know, those things are worth more to me than, uh, you know, working together. <laughs> which then gets me to the next question, which is, you know, family legacy. Both of us in some capacity have had investment, you know, from our family uh, in our businesses. And, and so beyond just what we're trying to do as family members, being entrepreneurs ourselves, there's also family money involved in the organizations that we run. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel this weight of like this family legacy that, I guess it gives you some added pressure on, on top of maybe the pressure that you're putting on yourself. And how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah. I mean, I, I used to very much. And I think that that was the reason that I ran so hard and pushed so hard and, you know, was so aggressive is, is because there was this, okay, I'm second generation. I, I, I have had more opportunities, more capital than most, most people will ever have access to like I have to make something of myself. Especially especially, you know, uh, you know, black people or just people of color, mm -hmm. just to be frank yeah. with it. Yeah, like I have to make something of this opportunity. And so there was tremendous pressure. Um but what I found out, you know, and I, I talked about it a little bit earlier, is that it didn't serve me, right? And at the end of the day, it was pressure to put up an image for who like you like who is who who are we trying to actually impress because if you talk to any of the people no one is thinking about it like that you know there's like you're all there's a person in your mind like you're really trying to impress this person this imaginary person in your mind right and you're really doing it for the person in your mind that is putting the pressure on you but no one is actually putting that pressure on you. And so I think that once I kind of realized that, that like the pressure I, that I felt I was putting on myself, then I could change that, right? There's not, yes, maybe there's expectation, but not to the extent that, you know, of the things that I was expecting of myself. And so I just think realizing who is actually, where's the pressure actually coming from, right? Like, like being really honest with yourself. And I think most times you'll find that it's internal um, and that if it's internal and it's not serving you, then we need to get rid of, you know, the, the little voice um, because the rest of the people in your family and your community, they want to see you thrive. They want to see you shine. They want to see you healthy and happy, that's actually what they want. And so, you know, a nervous, broken down you who can't run your business is not actually gonna help anybody. 
it, that is so true. I, I, I feel like the people who I call my mentors more these days are the people who are encouraging me to take more breaks. And if I have a vacation on the calendar, don't cancel it. Like those are the people I now view as my mentors because they're helping me to get that balance so I can be sustainable in running my business. Because, yeah, if you run yourself into the ground, well, that does no good for your team. That does no good for the third parties that you're working with, your audience or your your, your patrons. So. Yeah, super important to take care of yourself because everything else falls apart if you're not, you will, especially as the leader of a business, if you're not, you know, able to, to keep things running, if you're not, you know, able to, to get enough sleep or get enough focus, everything's going to suffer. And I think you said something that is like a key word, sustainable, right? Like whatever you do has to be sustainable all the way around. You know, like let's just take this... Um, the the cheap clothes industry right <laughs> so we go out we get to buy like you know a shirt for five dollars at walmart or whatever like it, it the fact that that is not sustainable has huge repercussions like all over the place right it has repercussions to the workers it has repercussions to pollution like it just has these huge repercussions and i think as individuals we have to think of ourselves like that that if you're an entrepreneur and you're doing something that in some way is not sustainable it has huge repercussions and so if i have a nervous breakdown and can't run my business because i don't know how to take breaks then that means my head chef can't feed her family or has to find a new job that means you know, all the employees that I I pay living wage to have to go get a lower paying job somewhere. You know, it just it has huge repercussions. And so I think sometimes we don't see ourselves, you know, as the part of this ecosystem that has to be sustainable. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I think at least I know for me, like that also then adds to the anxiety because I know that these people are depending on me in, in various ways. But at the same time, to your point, you can also take a step back in a different way and see that, OK, well, this is why I have to take better care of myself so mm -hmm. that they have what they need to take care of themselves as well. So exactly. I think that's excellent. And, and, you know, kind of pivoting a little bit, but it's still kind of related. If we're both we have birthdays that are very close to each other. Um, and, uh, you know, it's when like what? Like, two weeks, one, one and a half weeks. Uh, yeah. We literally used to share our birthdays growing up. We uh, but just I met had a joint birthday. What are you talking about? We literally yeah, we did just had a birthday, joint birthday party last year. <laughs> we did a nice throwback. I should, yeah, if I was close enough, I'd go grab the, I'm still the little soccer guy. So we, the, we'd put like a little ballet on her, her side of the cake and a little soccer guy on the side of my cake because I'm just constantly playing sports. Um, and so, yeah, we, we recreated that this year. Um, but I bring that up to say that we're both also Libras. Um, which in a better understanding, you know, what Libras are, you know, there's certain characteristics that we have, uh, that people tend to call us out for. I think, you know, one of them is that we're constantly weighing our decisions all the time. We're always trying to figure out what's the best solution here. So some people call us indecisive because we're constantly just evaluating. Do you find it hard for you sometimes to try to make the right decision? Do you get caught up trying to make the right decision instead of just trying to make a decision in the moment? Yeah, so um, not anymore, right? And I think um, I get really anxious actually when I can't make a decision. <laughs> it really causes me like, <laughs> I get hot, you know, like it's just, I, I literally am having a panic attack if I can't make a decision. Um, and so 
I'm used to making quick decisions. And, and that's part of, you know, that's a throwback to when I was just moving so fast and had to make quick decisions. And they had, they were either going to be good or bad, <laughs> one or the other, but something had to get done. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but I, I think, you know, right now I find myself not very indecisive. I'm, I'm in a really kind of settled, content place in my life. And I honestly attribute that to meditation. Like I've been meditating for three years and <laughs> changed my entire life, entire life. What kind of meditation do you do? Because actually, you know, I know you've mentioned this to me, but we've never actually talked in depth about, you know, how do you do your meditation? How often do you do guided? Yeah. What, what do you do? Yeah. So for when I first started meditation, it was in the midst of this, like, I'm changing my entire life. You know, like I was shutting down restaurants, focusing on this one, shutting down lines of businesses, like everything was changing. We were moving. Um, and so why medita meditation changed my life was because it gave me enough mental space to change my perspective. It wasn't that my life physically changed so much. I mean, there were changes with the businesses, but I changed my perspective on what was happening. And that was the, that changed my life because I'm now looking at the same set of information very differently. Um, and I'm able to see opportunities and threats even where I didn't see them before. And so um, I started out doing group me meditation at the YMCA in Baltimore. You know, I'd go to the Y, you know, Olivia, the, my two little girls, they were, you know, like two and four at the time. And so really it just started out being a place where I could get a moment of silence because you can't get a moment of silence with a two and four year old. Definitely not those two girls. Exactly. And so it's just like that turned into, you know, three, four years later, um, you know, I still go to this group meditation, but I also have my own personal practice where, you know, I'm on the Calm app like 10 minutes a day, right? Like that's it. Or I'll do nature hikes and, and go hiking and just kind of be in the woods and quiet and walking and, um, you know, walking meditation. That's like my preferred method of just walking. Um, through nature, or even walking on a track at the gym um, and listening to Democracy-ish, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making the shout out for one of our DCP shows. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you meditate listening to Democracy-ish, but yeah, thank you. Well, maybe it's before or after that. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, meditation helped me change my perspective, which helped me see other options and in turn change my life. Yeah, it sounds like it almost helped you kind of slow down, at least your thought process. Does that yeah. help kind of slow yeah. things down and take a step back from yeah. just the day-to-day -day craziness? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, one of the other things that Libras tend to be known for is that we are people pleasers. Like, we want everybody to love us and we want everybody to love each other. Have you found that that has sometimes gotten in the way of doing good business? And, you know, is that something you've had to kind of fight against? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that has been just kind of like, like a good body scrub. It's just been scrubbed off, right? <laughs> so yeah, I left my people pleasing behind me because 
what I found out was no matter what I did, people were never somehow pleased, right? <laughs> um, and so I, you know, one day, and I don't know when it happened, a few years ago, and I probably said this in my head, but it was like such a defining thought that I still remember it. I said to myself, I will no longer do for people what they are unwilling to do for themselves. So I'm not gonna go be successful because you don't wanna take the time to be successful. Like I'm not going to, you know, try to help you figure out all of your problems because you won't take the time to try and figure out your own problems. Like <laughs> I get a, I get a lot of those requests. Yeah, so it it ended up freeing up a lot of time, um freeing up a lot of mental space. Um and it's one thing if someone is trying to help themselves. I'm all in, right? I'm all in if you're trying to help yourself and you need some help. But what I'm not all in in doing is trying to do something for you that you wouldn't even do for yourself. You're unwilling to do for yourself. Um, so, yeah. Well, and part of this conversation, I also want the, you know, I, I think some of the people who may be listening to this are in the restaurant industry or hospitality industry where you've made a lot of your living. Um, obviously, you know, there's the real estate, which is kind of semi-hospitality in there too, in, in different ways. but specifically to restaurants, like, are there challenges there that you've, you know, kind of had to overcome that maybe are, are nuances to that restaurant industry versus these other industries that you're in? So I you know, just want to impart, you know, for those people who may have tuned in specifically, you know, because they own also in a restaurant, are there things that maybe, uh, you know, some advice that maybe you can impart having now run, you know, a, a decade's worth of, of restaurant businesses? Yeah, I mean, I would say whatever, a few things. So whatever your marketing budget is, triple it. That's like the first thing. I'm also learning that on the media side too. You think I would have known that working in media, but yes, it took a lot of years to figure that out. But do that, triple your marketing budget, um, and then also um, people in the restaurant business right now. People are, are super on edge, right? And so um, there's a lot of negativity out there. Um, people, you know are more willing to just say anything than they used to be. Um, you know, there used to be a saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like that is out the window. People will just say anything. And what I had to realize is that there are a lot of things that may involve you that are not about you. And so what that does is it gives me the opportunity to not take things personally. The restaurant business is a business where all your business is out there. People leave you reviews real time, good, bad, and different. They don't like the fries. They love the fries. They don't like you. They love you. You know, like it's just maddening, right? And if you get involved in every single comment, you'll be crazy. And then there's like, you know, Insta, uh, Instagram, which is the main social media tool for restaurant business because of the visuals of it, um, where people can just go off, right? They can go off, they can DM you crazy stuff. Um, and so I just think that, you know, you have to figure out what part 
of the interfacing with the public that you can do in this new kind of almost toxic environment and what part that you have to outsource other people to do just to preserve your peace and preserve your sanity and preserve your will to continue. Um, because, you know, if you just take in everything everyone says, you'll be like, I have a terrible product and I'm just going to go home and lay in my bed. And let's be honest, most people who are leaving reviews tend to leave it because they're angry about something. It's, it, people are less incentivized when they're happy about something. Yeah, yeah. If people had an, enough emotions to do something when they felt good as they do when they felt bad, the world would be an entirely different place. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, I know we talked a lot about like the struggle aspect, but you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, as we're wrapping up here, let's celebrate some wins. Is there anything you know, big that's been happening for you all um, that, that you want to celebrate here? Um, so, yeah, our 10-year anniversary was November 11th. That that was amazing. I mean, I I really just didn't think I could make it 10 years. So um, to be in anything Huge. this long is really, really exciting. And so they say I'm most businesses excited. don't go past, what, two or three years? No, they don't. Yeah. And I can see why. <laughs> So yeah, I'm excited about that. And I know it's February, but I'm still excited about November. <laughs> well, no, congrats on that. And so uh, tell people where they can uh, come and actually get your food and also how they can follow you on, on social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, follow us at Eat Fishnet. Um, Eat Fishnet, that's our Instagram. If you put in just Fishnet, you're going you gonna to get some surprises you're not ready for. You might be ready for it. <laughs> Eat Fishnet. Trust me. <laughs> um, and the food's amazing, even though like I can't eat most of it because it's seafood and, and lat you know cheese and stuff that I am allergic to. But I, before I was allergic to cheese, I used to be able to eat the secret uh, family mac and cheese recipe that you got over there. So I highly recommend the mac and cheese to folks. But every time I send people to your restaurant, they come back raving about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a good old pescatarian time. No, we don't serve chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kia, and thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Struggle. If you'd like to learn more about Kia and her business, or if you'd like to be part of our audience for our live recordings, please visit our show notes. Thank you to my producer, Heather Johnson. And until the next Entrepreneur Struggle, stay safe and stay healthy, because the struggle is real.